Hello, Metro Augusta. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the March 16th edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. As always, today's show is brought to you by Janice Allen Jackson and Associates. That is my management consulting firm. You can learn more about me, the services provided by the firm, and you can also listen to any past episode of Local Matters by going to JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly.com. That's my website. There's a Local Matters tab, and there you will find every past episode of Local Matters. So if at any point um, you need to go back and refresh your memory on something that I may have covered, you need to hear particular guest over again, hey, that's the time to do it. Also, if you need to share those episodes with someone else who could benefit from the information, you can do that as well from my website. And of course, this is the radio version. There's also a podcast version. It's actually the exact same information. I just know that podcast format works better for many because while you might not be available on Wednesday afternoon at 1.30 to listen to a radio show, you may very well have time uh, when you're jogging, cleaning house, in your car uh, to listen to an episode of Local Matter. So we make it available via Spotify, Apple Podcast, and SoundCloud. You just go to either one of those platforms and you search for Local Matters and they will come up. And that way you don't have any excuse for missing the great information that we're sharing with you via this program. Last week, I had a guest that sort of helped us kick off Women's History Month and as well helped us uh, get prepared for election time. I had Judge Kelly Kenner McIntyre on and she shared some great information about how we make decisions in judicial races. There are a number of races on the ballot this time around, and she just talked through uh, what it takes to make a good judge and how we can arrive at our own conclusions before we go to vote about who we think may be the best judge to serve us. This week, I am going to delve into the very, very salient topic of who is actually running for office. As you know, I created Local Matters as a way to help you prepare to vote, uh, and it is now voting time. Uh, this is a year where almost every office that you're going to have to vote on is contested. So you're going to need to do some real research and know what you're doing to stay on top of this to make sure that you make good decisions for yourselves. So what we're going to do today is just sort of walk through uh, the qualification process, the various offices, so you know what's on the ballot and um, who you have the opportunity to vote for. Uh, we're going to talk from the state level, actually all the way up to the Senate races, since that's going to be a big deal this time around, governor, uh, other state offices, and then we'll talk about local offices in our area. So that's today's show. 
very informative. Also, I'm going to show you best sources for information. I know sometimes it can get really confusing. You're not quite sure uh, where the best place to go is to get information. So I'm going to try to help you navigate that process of figuring out the basics today. We'll talk about who's in office and also who's running for office. And also, I want to give you uh, a preview into next week's show. Uh, I have invited one of our school board members to come in and talk about critical race theory. You've heard an awful lot about that term, but I'm not sure anybody really understands what it means. So we're going to talk about the topic of critical race theory uh, next week. Uh, hopefully the school board member that I've invited will be able to come in and, and address that topic uh, for us. But Today, uh, let's start off, um, we're going to try to connect the dots with a few things. Um, 2020, you did a census. Uh, this year, uh, the maps were decided upon as in what district you're in, uh, which means many of us, myself included, has to figure out what new district I'm in. Uh, turns out that my county commission and uh, school board district has not changed. I'm still in District 1. I'm still in Super District 9. But turns out that my state house district has changed. So, I know many of you have had other types of changes. So the first thing I want to discuss today is how you figure out uh, where you, what districts you actually reside in right now. Um, I think on the show when we discussed redistricting, we did talk about uh, the fact that it is incumbent upon the Board of Registration and Elections to uh, let you know if your districts have changed. So uh, we are going to go to what I consider the best source of information about that. And that is the Georgia Secretary of State's website. Um, there is the Georgia My Voter page. Uh, that is mvp.sos.ga.gov. When you go to my voter page and you don't have you can type in all of that, but you can just type Google my voter page, Georgia, and uh, it will come up for you. Um, you'll get in there. You'll have to type in some basic information about yourself. First initial, you know, J in my case, last name Jackson uh, had to put in my county and my date of birth. And then automatically all of my information comes up. Uh, when I get in there, it confirms my address, my gender, my race, and shows whether or not I'm an active voter. So I'll say that if you aren't shown as active, that means that you need to re-up your registration before April the 25th. So please be sure to do that. In my case, um, I'm shown as active um, with the registration date, which coincides with when I moved back to Augusta and set up my registration here. Uh, the polling place is shown. My polling place has not changed. Uh, so that is comforting to know. And if it has changed, you can get directions to your, your polling place and as well as click for early voting locations and times, as well as the times that the polling place are open. So just a wealth of information to make sure that you're prepared to vote. Uh, also, you can go here and request absentee ballots. Uh, you can uh, get a sample ballot 
when those ballots are ready. I just happened to click on that link just now and I see that the ballot information is currently unavailable. So they're in the process of working on that, uh, which means that I can check back later on to, to see that sample ballot. Uh, most importantly, as I started this discussion, figuring out what districts you're in. Uh, so it will give you uh, the districts for US Congress. Uh, I happen to be a resident of District 12, Georgia Senate. I happen to be a resident of District 22, which has not changed. That's one of the things that is the same for me and maybe the same for many of you. Uh, judicial, I'm in the Augusta Judicial Circuit, uh, Commission District 1, School District 1, Georgia House District 130, which is the big change for me um, because I had been in what was called House District 125. So now with the changes in the map, uh, the districts have been renumbered and I'm now in 130. Uh, also, of course, school board and uh, commission district nine, as I indicated. So uh, you can go there and you can see all of that information. Then you can actually click on a link there that takes you straight from my voter page into qualifying candidate information, which is the big thing that we want to talk about today. So now we've figured out what district we live in for each one of those offices. Now it's time to see who has qualified uh, to run, therefore who will be on your ballots. Uh, the general and uh, special election date, May 24th. Uh, so that is the date that we're working toward and trust me, after I took a look at the list of all these candidates, it made me realize that I'm going to need all of that time to research these candidates and figure out who it is that I want to, to, to vote for. Um, before we start getting into those candidates, there was one other uh, key factor related to uh, the Georgia legislature that I want to point out. And that is that yesterday was crossover day. Uh, crossover day is the 28th day of the session, I believe, and it's typically a 40-day session. So on the 28th day, that is when bills that are approved, say, in the House, they cross over to the Senate, and something that was approved in the Georgia State Senate crosses over to the Georgia House of Representatives. And they have to be approved, those bills have to be approved in both chambers in order to be uh, come law. So that is a big day as things go. If your bill didn't make it uh, past crossover day, the only way to get those items approved is to attach them to some other bill that has made it uh, in the crossover. So this is a key period in the legislature. Um, I learned about that by watching the right type of TV shows, which is something that I want to encourage you to do. Uh, I am one who is guilty of watching either news, sports, or something on the Food Network. Uh, a lot of times I'm not paying as much attention to public television. And public television, Georgia Public Broadcasting is one of the places where you can get the best information. Uh, I happened last night to be watching a show called uh, Lawmakers. 
and it uh, follows what is happening in the House. And they interview actual state senators and state reps to get their perspective. They interview Democrats and Republicans. They have journalists on that panel who sort of talk through the issues. So it's a great source of information and I think will help you uh, become more engaged and a more confident voter, which is the absolute goal of Local Matters. So, as I was talking about uh, the Georgia Secretary of State's website, um, my voter page, you click on the link that gets you to who qualified. Um, you put in a few pieces of information, the election year, which election it is that you're looking for in terms of date. You can type in party affiliation or not. That way you'll see all the candidates. You can put in which office it is and then... Um, you just indicate, is it a federal office, a state office, or a county office? And then you can uh, just put in uh, whatever office it is, if it's governor, secretary of state, attorney general, lieutenant governor, uh, insurance commissioner, agriculture commissioner. You can put all those in state level. You can do the federal offices like U.S. Senate, or you can even put in your local offices if you put in your county uh, information. So this is almost a one-stop shop for information, and that is elections.secretary.sos or Secretary of State Georgia.gov. Uh, so best place to get your information is from the source, and that is going to be the Georgia Secretary of State's office. As I went through, um, there are a few trends that I picked up on as I looked at the list of candidates. Uh, I think one of the things that I advised you of last week um, or week before was that, hey, you know, a whole bunch of people may have said that they were going to run for a specific office, but when it's time to put your money where your mouth is, there may be fewer people who actually submit, and that is exactly the case with the race for Augusta's mayor. Um, there were at one point at least 13 people who had expressed interest or an intent to run for office. But when it was all said and done, there were only nine candidates who actually filed, who actually submitted all of the paperwork to qualify. So uh, as I talked to folks and kind of come to my own conclusions, it seems like there are three reasons that people may have initially said they were running for mayor and now changed their mind. One is they just couldn't get a campaign organized. Uh, it takes a lot of effort to run a campaign across a 200,000 person jurisdiction like Richmond County is. So if you don't have a good team and you're not well organized, you can't run a successful campaign for mayor. Uh, next, uh, some of those candidates just haven't raised sufficient funds. Um, there have been articles uh, discussing how much money has been raised by various candidates, and you've got to have some money uh, to do this. It's probably at least $100,000 uh, that you need to raise in order to mount a successful campaign. And also, some of them just realize they didn't have any chance to win. Uh, when you see a field uh, that is that big, you're talking, you know, 9, 10, 11 people or more, uh, it's very hard, almost guarantees that there's going to be a runoff. And there's also the intimidation factor. I mean, some of the candidates so far seem to be extremely well organized and well funded, speaking to the exact points that I spoke of earlier. And um, they probably just looked at it and said, hey, there's no path to victory here for me, uh, so I need to get out. 
but we do remain with nine candidates for mayor. Uh, then uh, there's uh, District 2. Uh, district 2 is uh, the district that now is represented by Commissioner Dennis Williams. There are six people who have entered the race to run for Commission District 2. And of course, Dennis could not run again because he is term limited. Same with Mayor. Uh, that's why there's no incumbent in the race. They are term limited as well. Mayor Davis was term limited as well. Um, then you get into the other districts with uh uh, races this time around. And I want you to think about it this way. All of the district races are even numbered districts, two, four, six, eight, and 10. Uh, all of those races have multiple candidates except for district eight. And district eight, uh, the incumbent Brandon uh, Garrett did not have any opposition. So he is running unopposed. And uh, then you get to Super District 10 and you have candidates running in that race as well, as well as the judicial races. You've got a state court race. You've got a magistrate, chief judge of magistrate court and a superior court race. Uh, all of those are on the ballot and contested. Um, there's one uncontested state, ju uh, state judge race, and that is Monique Walker. She has no opposition, uh, but uh, the other races all have uh, all competitive. And I think last week, uh, Judge McIntyre spoke to that. People feel like, well, you know, if I don't get out here and run, I'll never have a chance to get into this particular office. So that's why you're seeing so many uh, people on the ballot. Over in terms of our state legislative uh, delegation, uh, I picked up on what appears to be a pretty interesting trend. It looks like all of the Democratic incumbents, with the exception of Wayne Howard, who represents what is now District 129, all he is the only Democrat in our legislative delegation that appears not to have any opposition. In all of the other races, you've got uh, Republicans who are running against Democrats, those Republicans who are currently in office, Max Burns, uh, Lee Anderson, Mark Newton, uh, Barry Fleming, none of them uh, appear to have opposition. I'd like to note as a special shout out to the person that I consider to be the hardest working member of the legislative delegation, uh, and that is Sheila Clark Nelson. She represented my district. I affectionately always introduced her as my state representative. Uh, she uh, has decided after a few terms uh, that she is not seeking re-election. Uh, I was a little surprised by that, but I checked with some of my sources and it appears that probably going back a few months, she had uh, made that decision that she would not seek re-election for some family reasons. I really would like to shout her out because um, she worked really hard. I saw her out in the community at various events. She was always very visible. Um, there were times when organizations would have food giveaways and Representative Nelson was the one who would take uh, extra food, take a basket here and there uh, over to some senior citizens that were in her district. Um, she really tried to work hard and look out for the human needs of the people in her area. Uh, I will also say that she was very much in touch with the people in her area. Uh, you'll remember uh, 
few months ago when we had the election to uh, fund the the improvements uh, on New James Brown Arena. And I said, you know, there's some people I talked to who thought it was going to pass. There's some people I talked to who thought it would fail. She was one of the people who told me up front that it was going to fail because based upon her contact with the residents of her district and others across uh, Richmond County, she just had her finger on the pulse of what people uh, were thinking. Uh, so um, I salute her for being in touch with the folks that she served. I salute her for her hard work in the community. Uh, and I wish her the best uh, as she uh, grapples with the next stage of life and whatever that brings uh, for her. But having said that, of course, that guarantees that there is a change in that district. So we're not only changing the district number from 125 to 130, uh, we're also gonna have a different uh, representative there. Uh, Lynn Gladney, who is a Democrat, is running. And there's also a Republican candidate uh, by the name of Dan Swenson. Um, so those folks will be on the ballot and get a chance to fight it out. Uh, and also, as I indicated, several members of our local delegation will also have opposition. So these stand to be really, really uh, competitive races, I think, all the way around. Um, we also have one unique situation in our delegation where we have one Democrat that is being challenged by another, uh, Brian Prince, who represents what is now known as District 132, is being challenged by Tracy Acre George uh, for that particular seat. So uh, that is the only time someone from the same party is running against another in our delegation. But as I mentioned earlier, not unusual at all at the state level. We see that happening time and time again, where Republicans are challenging Republicans and Democrats are challenging uh, Democrats to some degree. Um, we'll go back up now to take a look at the gubernatorial races. I had done a show a while back when candidates start making it known that they were planning to run for governor. Uh, we actually wound up with, I think, one less, one fewer candidate than what we had talked about earlier. Uh, it looks like there are... Uh, five Republican candidates, including the incumbent, Brian Kemp, one Democratic candidate who is Stacey Abrams, and then there are two others, an independent and a libertarian, who won't be on the ballot on May 24th, but they will be on the ballot in November since uh, they are the only candidates from their uh, parties, their respective parties. Um, then for Lieutenant Governor, we look, there are four Republican candidates and nine Democrats. Um, and the Republican incumbent, Jeff Duncan, has chosen not to run. Uh, so we will have new blood in the Lieutenant Governor seat for certain. Um, to get to Georgia Secretary of State, as you may recall, we've already had one of those candidates into the show. We had Dr. Michael Owens come in a few months ago. Uh, he talked about his vision for that office. Um, he is only one, he is one of five Democrats that is seeking that position. And I believe all five of those, those Democrats are people of color. Uh, so uh, there is a very good chance that at least a Democratic nominee will be a person of color. And then there are four GOP 
uh, candidates, which is pretty unusual given the fact that there is a, a Republican incumbent, uh, Brad Raffensperger, uh, that is also seeking re-election. Uh, then um, there's a U.S. Senate race and Raphael Warnock is on the ballot again. I know some of you are sitting there thinking, gosh, didn't we vote for him, you know, or vote uh, for or against him very recently? Well, yes, you did. Uh, and uh, that was January of 2021 when that runoff took place. And uh, he's on the ballot again. This is a little bit of a different format because, of course, he's running as a Democrat. And it's not the jungle primary that we had before where everybody was just lumped in there together. Um, you've got him. There's one other Democratic challenger to Warnock and then six uh, Republican candidates who are seeking that race to include uh, former Georgia Bulldog uh, Herschel Walker. Uh, believe it or not, I've already started seeing some Herschel Walker signs in Augusta. So uh, that stands to be a very competitive race. Uh, there are two public service commission races on the ballot. Um, and remember with public service commission, the oddity is we're not selecting somebody to represent us in the Augusta area because we did that last time around. But we are selecting um people to represent the other areas, because even though the Public Service Commission candidates represent a district, um, we vote for them statewide. So we'll get a chance to cast a ballot for the folks who are running there as well. Um, I think Georgia State Senate uh, may not have mentioned District 22. Um, yes, Harold Jones, who's also been a guest of the show, uh, does have one Republican opponent. Uh, so no opposition in May, but in November, He'll face some opposition when uh, Republicans run against Democrats. Also wanted to call to your attention that, you know, on the federal level, on the state level, everybody runs uh, with a party affiliation. On the local level, they don't. They are what is called nonpartisan races. Uh, which is to say that they don't identify themselves as Republicans or Democrats, even though we know that people may have particular leanings, uh, they don't uh, have to identify themselves in that way, uh, which makes it sometimes even more difficult, sometimes people, for us to decide how to vote, because a lot of times we'll look and we'll say, well, he's a Democrat, she's a Republican, that'll give you some idea of what they believe in. Uh, but when it's nonpartisan, you really have to check uh, very carefully uh, to see um, what it is that these individuals stand for and how likely it is that they're going to represent you in a way that you want to be represented. So with all those candidates and all those races to get prepared for, my first tip for you is to start early. Um, don't let Election Day skip, uh, slip up on you. Uh, the second thing is, is as annoying as all that political mail can be, uh, please read some of it. Uh, it really gives you an opportunity to see what they say about themselves. Also, um, I would encourage you to follow the news, as I said. Georgia Public Broadcasting is good. If you can afford a subscription to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, do so um, because they have great information about those who are running statewide as well as for the federal races. Here locally, I would encourage you to subscribe to a newspaper as well if you can. Um, don't just look at the signs. Look at the websites of the candidates so you know something about them. Uh, what we will be doing over the next several weeks is inviting those candidates 
that it's in. Um, also, another good source of information will be candidate forums. Uh, there are various organizations that put across uh, forums. I'll try to keep you advised of dates and times on some of those um, so that that gives you a peek and you get a chance to really listen to the candidates. So, Local Matters is here for you. Various other nonprofit organizations are here for you to make sure that you're well-educated and prepared to vote. And please, 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 as I indicated, uh, take advantage of those free and low-cost resources in front of you, uh, like websites, uh, like uh, the um, news coverage on television, uh, just get as much information as you can and Local Matters is here to help you. Again, you can catch episodes of Local Matters on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud, as well as right here on WKZK. I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net, because local matters.